Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. We have a little bit of a switch for you this week as we're bringing you the second half of our most recent recording first. The reason being is we want to keep everything on topic. So if you want to reference it, there are two articles produced by Scott over on VectorSigma.info, which also go into detail regarding this episode's topic. Enjoy. You ready to move into, uh, I guess, our more complex one, Scott? <laughs> Mentally, maybe not uh, digitally or technology-wise, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let me set the stage a little bit. Um, as of this recording, both pieces of your initial dissertation are actively on the site, correct? Correct. Okay. So for those who have not had the chance to read it, Definitely you want to head over to VectorSigma.info and read Scott's two articles on spheres. Why are we talking about uh, 3D balls? Because, well, it, it seems to be the seminal work for you, Scott, of uh, for Transformers. And it logic once you started explaining it to me as well as other team members, it felt very natural. Like, well... Yeah, I guess that is how I was mentally viewing things, but didn't really think about it or really articulate it. And it just, you were, you were telling me, it was one of those moments you were telling it to me and I'm envisioning it and it was clicking immediately for the most part. Obviously it's a very complex thing and we're going to try and explain part of it, but what is the Let's start with the goal, Scott. What was the point of this? Why are we talking about this and why do people care? Um, I think people should care because uh, the options in this game are, are numerous as to what decks and what character lineups to play. Um, although, to be honest with you, I was thinking about the other day that the, the battle decks don't differ all that much. It's, it's really the character lineups that tend to differ more. Right. Um. With some battle card choices that are changed as a result of the character lineup you're using, but let's just say right. it's like you know thirty out of forty of your of your cards are similar, right? Um, so because of that, there had to be a way of of describing the different types of decks, and people are asking all the time to like you know what's a tier deck, what's a tier one deck, what's a tier two deck. Like the only way to actually arrive at that is to figure out what beats what how often what beats what and all that and the only way to really do that is with something we mentioned earlier with tournament results or grinding a bunch of games yourself mm -hmm. but there should be a way usually i mean based on a card pool you in other games i've played and in general you should be able to define you know x should be able to beat y for z reason and that will help you shortcut everything we just mentioned about grinding a bunch of games or getting a bunch of tournament results that we're not getting. So in order to shortcut that, uh, I wanted to come up with some kind of theory to basically save time and basically either just test bad matchups, just test good matchups slightly to make sure they are still good and, and you know immediately say, okay, yes, this worked out the way it was supposed to for XYZ reason. Um, and see if there were consistent reasons, not like, you know, randomization went your way type reasons. Right, right. Um, and then what you could do to improve other matchups, is there a way to fit yourself within this this concept without... All right, we had another audio snag here, folks. So again, apologies, but we're going to dive right back in. The shortcuts, and I think it started to go wonky on us when you were describing our good matchups still good as compared to testing all the bad matchups to try and figure out where to go from there. So from what I heard from you, and feel free to re repeat any of this, is that the whole purpose for this was to try and save some time. At the end of the day, there should be a level where we can look at two decks and say, this is how this matchup should play out. And then make a decision on how you want to influence before you're testing it, as opposed to having to grind a thousand games to prove that Insecticons beats Dinobots. Yes. And also, I think a correlator to that is I didn't want play skill to come into play for the matchups as well. Okay. 
I wanted the decks on their own to stand for this beats X, X beats Y for Z reason and not, and, and, and figure out if there was a way to basically, and to, and to also cut down the number of X decks that are even were. Right. Was also part of it. So that explains the, the history behind it to some extent, as far as why you were trying to come up with this theory and how you, you kind of went about it. So, Let's talk about what it actually is, because one of the things I had referenced a moment ago was that, according to this chart, we you're stating that Insecticons should, barring, obviously, egregious play errors or some unknown factor in the battle deck, on paper, you should be beating up Dinobots with Insecticons, correct? Yes. And the whole point is, and again, feel free to, to repeat this stuff or elaborate, is that because of the way the characters break down and because of the way those decks break down, that, and you said this in your article, <laughs> the rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock scenario of the way all of these form a matrix between each other. Uh, yeah, again, again, assuming that the decks are built correctly, the mm -hmm. characters are being used correctly, and... The number of characters, it basically came down to an axis of the number of characters versus the type of deck. That's where the basic axis of the diagram come into play, but it's, but it's also where I believe that the separation of a deck style also comes into play. So you have three different deck styles in aggro, aggro control, and control, and then you have number of characters from technically one all the way up to I guess five at this point. Like you, I guess you could play six four drops if you want, but like or yeah, or constructicons. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so I just made it at four plus, but I because I think the theory holds the same. I haven't seen any differences otherwise, but right, I, I stopped it at four plus. But so to me, you have you you put the decks into categories based on that the number of characters they have. And the style of deck that they are, and then you wind up with whatever a three by, I guess like three by four. So you wind up with twelve different styles that you could possibly be. And I didn't even define all of them because I don't even think all of them technically exist. Yeah, to this stage, I mean, I'm sure people have played Orange Optimus Battlefield Legend Nemesis or something like that, but uh, I don't know if that necessarily warrants the space on this already very crowded chart just yet. Right. Right. Um, so going forward, obviously you're going to be refining this and that there's going to be more data as new sets come in, as we were just talking about with the qualifier season, the meta evolves. And obviously there's always that X factor of play skill and of course how the deck is actually constructed as you reference. But the goal being, this is going to be a tool moving forward to say, okay, we have a new meta. What are the axiomatic rules that we know, such as the interaction between three wide blue decks and wider blue decks for plus. Um, any other thoughts you want to add on there is to like how somebody, cause this is a very complex chart about reading it and understanding the information that you're trying to present. I mean, the point in the future is to figure out what ways you can do to break the cycle of the arrows. Right. So, so can you change? And, and I'm not, I mean, obviously, one one way would be to wholesalely use. I don't know if that's a word, but I keep using it. Um, <laughs> um, to uh, to use a deck that's not even represented here, um, and obviously, uh, this is not every deck in the world. But like, you know, are there strategies that that would not be represented here that you can change in order to fit um, a different style or, or a different number of characters or something like that that would would help you in certain matchups? I, I think the answer is is likely yes but i think what you're you're still going to be exposed to some weakness of course i still believe that i still believe there's no deck that just beats everything um so you're always going to have some type of weakness it, it and it will likely still fit into one of these spheres um you it just may have a better matchup against certain other decks within that sphere i think that there i think it's i think what's important going forward is to understand why even if a deck is within the sphere, why it may have a better matchup or a worse matchup against other spheres. Um, you know, like, why does... 
you know, the Firewheels deck, why did that have a better matchup against Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend 3 wide control decks than Insecticons did? I mean, the answer is because one of them had RC and one of them didn't. Right. Um, but like, but, but they would still occupy the same space. Like, that deck is technically just an Autobot Insecticon deck. Yes. Um, you know, a four wide aggro deck in this case. So it still has the same, a lot of the same weaknesses, but it actually didn't have some of the weaknesses to the three wide um, control decks, sort of. Um, and obviously it gets more complicated when you have the ability to sideboard, because for example, that deck was weaker too when you went two tall primes than Insecticons has against two tall primes. So not every deck, not every deck within the sphere is necessarily going to operate a hundred percent like the other ones. Um, that's why like the arrows are not like set in stone because there is room within the sphere to adjust your matchups in certain ways. Like the blaster deck, for example, mm-hmm. does not operate the same way as Insecticons against its certain matchups as well. Right. Um, but I believe esoterically the way that the decks are built from the aggro control slant and the number of characters, most of the time they will operate close to the same, uh, matchups against all the other deck styles in my opinion right and to your point that that's the whole goal of setting up these the framework for everything with this diagram with this theory is that you have to start somewhere and in order to create fire wheels you kind of have to know that okay well three wide performs in this fashion against four wide orange decks I want to play a four wide orange deck. How do I combat that? But if you don't have the basic information about the way those matchups play out or whether it's that matchup or three wide aggro, four wide aggro, whatever, you don't really have a starting point and you're just kind of grasping at straws. And it should be influencing both, obviously, your deck decision, but the individual battle card decisions, the character decisions, if you know your local meta and it's rife with four wide aggro, well, then that probably tells you which things you want to look at on this chart to try and address those particular issues. And it's going to be important going forward, especially qualifier season and then looking forward to the Energon Invitational when we get new sets that we're going to be up against it again, where you have a very short time frame to try and identify a whole lot of information. Yeah, I think we like we've touched upon things here. Like you've said things like, you know, I run my deck against Insecticons a bunch of times to find out how it's doing, and it's like if you're already behind the eight ball because you made some three wide aggro deck or you made some two tall control deck or something like that that already has, according to something like this, a negative matchup already. Like, right? What are you really pro- like? Why are you getting frustrated? Like that's going to be your bad matchup anyway. Exactly. But it is. Oh god! I think a lot of players. I think a lot of players put themselves into that trap and just don't understand that, like, they weren't favored in that matchup to begin with. So they're. You should only be happy when you find a way to be able to solve it, instead of being frustrated that that's just the way the matchup goes. And there's the underlying current to that is well, two points for it. One is if you are going in with that assumption that it's a weak matchup, there's your potential meta breaker as you were alluding to earlier that oh well i'm look i want to test hiding spot or other card or whatever does that influence the matchup enough to then push this into an acceptable percentage so if you're going in with the expectation that you're going to get stomped and then you're testing to see these these other factors what their influence is that's one thing if it's like what you're describing scott that you're just going in and you get frustrated because you get thrashed. You're not helping yourself. You need to, you should know going in that it's rough and that, like you said, you're not going to beat everything. Yeah. And I think, I think the way the 25 star limit of a deck breaks down, Mm -hmm. most decks that are created will fall in the middle category. They're falling in the three wide X, Y, Z. Yes. And so they typically have bad matchups against the decks on the poles. So they have bad matchups against your five-wide control um, aerobots or your four-wide aggro Insecticons or your Blasters or your Predacons, like your five-wide aggro decks. So because of the star costs, 
a lot of people tend to build decks. I'm going to play these three characters together. I'm going to play these three characters together. And then they go out and they test against these things and they don't win. And it's like, well, this deck just doesn't work. Well, you... It doesn't work it probably in wasn't... those matchups. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and I guess the question you then have to ask yourself, and this is part of why I wanted to create this as well, was, so you need to ask yourself, if you didn't improve that matchup, why did you, like, what was the point? Yeah, what did you expect already... going in? Right, like, are you just trying to find the best deck within the sphere? And this was, like, kind of, like, when it became a sphere concept instead mm -hmm. of, like, the, the continuum concept. Like, are you just trying to find the best, what do they, they call it, like, um, like, I don't know, invent the best, I forget what the term is, like. I'm not sure what you're looking best, for. <laughs> like, the best tool to, like, you know, hammer in the same nail or something like that. Like, you're just trying to mm. improve, like, you're just improving something that basically does the same function as something else, which is good, right. but if it doesn't actually help you change anything, did it matter? Yeah, sometimes, and it's not, and this may be a different point than where you're going with it, but and feel free to, to stop me if it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best improvement to a deck may be just playing another one, because if, to your point that, if you're going in with three wide aggro, you, you're trying to make the best Dinobots. Everybody around you is playing Insecticons. There's only so many options. Your best Dinobot deck may not include Dinobots, and you need to go to another sphere. And that's not a... And it's a, something I've struggled with personally, and I've mentioned before, in, both on other shows and in some of the articles I've written, because I'm a big Transformers fan, I tend to get attached to specific characters. So I really want to play a deck with character X. But the problem is, is that, like you said, they tend to group into three wide blah. And that may or may not actually be feasible given the other parts. So you have to take a step back and realize at the same time it is, while it's a Transformers card game, it's also a card game and there are the meta also sets its own rules. Yeah, that article hasn't come out yet, so that's just a preview. Well, the yes, a little bit. About that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I have brought up a similar point in other yeah, conversations yeah. with people, that it is, you know, you do need to take these into consideration, that you could bash your head against a wall for a really long time and not make any progress just because of the way that particular matchup plays out. You know, it's not unwinnable 100% of the time you could know it inside and out and play better than your opponent but as you were saying earlier Scott the whole focus of this is to try and extract the play skill element because it's such a huge potential variable yeah and I think I think what's it, what, what I think part of what's important so if we assume that the matchups that the arrows are pointing to are correct mm -hmm. um then what we're left with is trying to um, trying to figure out which deck within the sphere is best that either best exemplifies what 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 that sphere needs to do, i.e., like win the matchups it should and get get as close as possible to not losing the matchups that it should, right? Um, to have some chance against them, um, or find a way that like even within it you still you can't break the mold but you 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 at least do better against your own sphere which means that you're you're at least eliminating it's not really two-thirds but let's just call it like two-thirds of what what you could face out there right because i guess ultimately if, if you if i had my druthers okay and you can never do this but <laughs> you would you would know exactly what you're going to face when you go into a tournament what everybody's running right and you would, and obviously, and like, let's just leave the the matchups themselves as random. But you walk in, you know what everybody's playing, so you have perfect information. And again, like what everyone's playing, the cards in their deck isn't relevant. But let's just let's just say from a stylistic sphere perspective, you knew what everybody was running. Okay. So you would you would then say like you know ten percent of the people are running this, twenty percent of the people are running this, and you would just do the calculation right there and then and say okay, my best odds of winning this event based on everybody and what they're playing mm. and their style is, I want to play the deck that has the best matchups here, here, X, Y, Z, and you would just 
do the math and figure out like what the best option is. But because you don't have that option, you don't know that going in, you need to, you need to come up, you need to simulate that as best as possible. The, the main variable that we never know again is what people are going to show up with. Of course. And this is probably something that like we overthink at times, to be honest with you. Um, probably because, <laughs> because especially like going into a major event, like the way going into Gen Con, like it was like, you know, and we talked about this, like, you know, we had what we considered to be the metagame, but that wasn't what other people would and how would that affect things, et cetera. But because you don't have that perfect information, you need to have some starting point to save time and effort going in. Um, I, like I can give other examples of like where we had decks that we chose not to run at Gen Con because they really didn't operate any differently than other options within that sphere, in my opinion. Right. And in fact, I would argue that some decks that were made within certain spheres operated poorer against matchups that they had. And I, I feel like if you're starting off from that perspective, like you, you can't veer too much into that territory either, which may be a different topic, but... Well, elab could you elaborate on what that territory is, just for people that may not be following, sure, like, I guess? <laughs> and, and this, I understand, is something that I don't didn't have time to go over and, and, and plan to in the future, but, like, you know, it's going to take multiple um, outlets to be able to do it. But like, Of course. If, if, you under if you understand why a certain matchup, um, from a sphere perspective... So from a matchup style perspective, is in the favor of one deck or the other. There's a reason for it. In this game, a big part of the reason for it is the characters. So we have to start right. there. Of um, so if we assume, let's just assume you're running the, the same character lineup. You're not veering too much from changing the characters. Now what's left is the decisions of your battle deck. But what you need to understand is a lot of the times that those characters were chosen was because of their combat style so like your ranged melee specialist right the, the specific stats they offer the specific abilities they offer etc and because your battle deck should synergize with that veering too much away from that and making your good matchup suffer as a result of it is you can't just rely on oh i'm just gonna win this matchup because scott says that this sphere always beats the sphere <laughs> like if you change the deck too much you'll you'll shift that balance away from where the good matchup is. And I think right. you can never do that too much, if that makes sense. Yes. Cause it, if I'm, if I'm following you correctly, uh, again, just to use insecticons as an example, if you modify sure. that to include a whole bunch of non orange things just to, cause that was yeah. a common trait way back in wave one that a lot of people. And at this point, I think a lot of people have accepted that, virtually pure orange version if you start trying to make that better against some hypothetical matchup that it's currently losing by including a whole bunch of blue stuff well now you're giving an opening to the decks that you should be beating and therefore kind of to call back to what i was saying earlier why aren't you just playing something else at that stage you're no longer playing to the strengths of the characters that you're selecting or the build that you're selecting Yes, that is that is a good example. The wave one except the kind of example is a good example. Yeah, it's and it's something to keep in mind that it, we had harped on the idea that this is your initial framework to try and establish what what do you think everything should or how should everything work? And then what can I do to break those relationships so that now my three wide is beating four wide aggro? Okay, well your five percentage point gain in a 70 30 matchup and i'm just making all this up so don't don't yep, quote yep. me on this yeah, yeah, yeah. but if yep. you're you're now going instead of being a 70 30 underdog to now a 65 35 underdog but then your good matchups that were 70 30 are now 50 50 you know is it is it worth that sort of trade-off is it worth trying to improve things when again Maybe the answer lies in you got to take a step back and say, maybe this deck is, it's not this deck's time. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it can never work. It's just maybe it's not going to work right now for this event that I'm playing in this weekend, sort of thing. 
Yes, and I think I think there is a tendency of players again. I think, like you said, it's 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 inexperience with um, card games yep. uh, in general. It, to to think that whatever deck I bring, I'm the favorite to win, regardless because of the effort I put in, mm-hmm. or because of X Y Z reason, and it's normally the effort I put in, or the amount of time that I spend doing this versus my perceived competition and what I perceive their effort and their knowledge to go into it but like you can't fight city hall is my whole point is another point of a lot of this Mm -hmm. like like you just cannot get better than a 50 50 or like you know on paper you probably can't get better than a 50 50 now can your play skill slant a bad matchup originally this diagram a lot of the circles overlapped it was just became too hard to read um but (laughs) it was worse than this (laughs) yes no, I'm just because, kidding. <laughs> and and it was it was even worse when it was the continuum because basically like yeah. like like you, like you said like a 70-30 matchup that suddenly became 50-50 because I'm giving you 20% play skill that you understand the matchup better than your opponent. Is that I can't go out and tell a third party person that that is correct information because you're right. a better player than them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's not a reasonable assumption to make, nor is it a consistent assumption. Uh, it, like, yeah, you might be better than your first round opponent just to make something up. That doesn't mean your second round opponent who's playing the exact same build is it's going to play out the same exact way. Yeah, and when a third party asks you for advice, you have to step back and be able to give them... This is, I guess this is also where... I, I wanted to have a theory. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to step back and say, how how should this work for everybody? Not just how should this work for me or how should this work for people I know? Like, is there a way to define the decks themselves and the way that the styles play out against themselves so that there was a way to level the playing field of play skill out the window? Um it's not to say that this is really not to say that this doesn't it, it matters tremendously um but we i have to you have to assume that everyone's on an equal playing field to start or else like the whole thing it's, it doesn't even matter well yes because that again it and you've mentioned it many times before even on this recording that play skill is such a massive factor in things that it can shift the relationship between these different builds but that's that's a big assumption to try and jump to, especially with a lot of other unknowns. Yeah. So I needed to have a way to define it equally across the board, and this was this was what I came up with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, as I started out with this, as you were describing it to me, even before the the articles, and we're as a team we're talking about it, the the concept makes sense to me and it I think you've articulated it about as well as you possibly can for something it's one of those things that if you don't quite grasp it don't feel bad about it it's it may just be you got to familiarize yourself with the idea but I think this is going to be an important tool for all of us going forward trying to identify how to evaluate certain cards how to evaluate certain things and we've mentioned it multiple times here but also in the past that Nobody has infinite time. You can't possibly test every single scenario and every potential build. So a shortcut of this nature definitely gives you a head start. Yeah. And I understand that, again, like there wasn't time to explain the whys of why certain matchups work out the way they do. But I think I think just the way that I've... The number of games I've played with in this game and and i wish i had more exposure to playing this game from a, like a, a limited perspective i think would probably help some of the theories but like you know when people don't understand why they're lo- like you know why is my why is my three wide deck losing to well random four wide autobot deck for example or something like that like what do i do to sideboard differently in this matchup like how many characters should i be sideboarding etc um it's it's because literally any vanilla character can go from let's just say like 
my three power five drop is probably going to be, you know, whatever, like a, an eight or a nine before flips. Yeah, they can hit double digits quicker than you might think as well. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, people that make a big deal about characters that are attacking for 17, like, did it really matter when that five drop over there just got to 12? Like, that was enough. Yeah, know? exactly. Like, um, and I, I guess, I guess some of this theory has to be true because if you notice, like the hit points of characters has increased in the siege set, um, to probably take some of this stuff into consideration so that like, mm-hmm. you know, again, you can just reckless charge and grenade launcher any character and have them be plus eight in any given turn. Yep. Um, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to give like give it like an orange slant or something like that. I'm just giving. Well, it's the most. Exam- I think it's the simplest way to illustrate the idea. Yeah, and I, I and I think so. Like you know, at that point, you know, any character is probably like, you play those two cards and you do your flips. You're probably at, like plus ten guaranteed. Like so, like you know, your I don't know your your starter deck Ironhide is a thirteen right there. You know, like just. Yeah. Does it matter? Does it matter what he, who he was and like whatever? Like, I mean, thirteen is going to take out most other characters at their cost, right? Or put a huge hurting on them otherwise, you know. So, I think that's part of like another reason why I wanted to to do this was to try to figure out like if there was a way to define why that, like, right? You know, that why why do the wide decks? have that advantage like and again this comes into you know and there's other articles to write about this but like you know if you didn't need to play that battle card wait for another opportunity to play it because you're just going to be in an overkill situation things like that etc yes. so like this comes into like the perfect play aspect as well but like there there has to be a reason now why one sphere dominates another and i know that's the part of this that kind of got left out but like and has to be defined, but like... Well, I think it, it's um, an individual show slash article or both yeah, for each yeah. relationship, because there's a lot of things that go into even... I don't want to make it sound simple, but the simplest one to me, at least, is three wide versus four wide orange decks. And even that, you could go into a lot explaining the turns and how it just breaks down that barring some intervention... Four wide's doing its thing. Or wider, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, and the real reason is because this game is not about card... And, and this proves it. This game is not about card advantage. Mm-hmm. This game is not about... Um, this game is about attack advantage. The number of attacks that you need needs to be less than your opponent to win yes. the game. And I'm- that's... That's mm-hmm. all that matters. Absolutely. So no matter no matter how you get to that is like to me like you need and then you need to be using all your phases as I call them during a turn to their best ability when needed. And sometimes the best thing to do is to not do them and right. save them for later. Yes. So you know, and that's a difficult that, lesson to learn. It's very much, I think the the inherent nature to. I can play two cards a turn. I'm going to play two cards a turn. Not necessarily appropriate but for exactly the reasons you outlined, that it's a matter of decreasing the clock required to close the game out in the best way possible. And it's not quite always that simple as just, okay, just follow this this rote script. It almost never is. But exactly. You to, <laughs> but, 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 but you have to understand why it may or may not have been the right call mm-hmm. at the time, I guess. But um, I feel like that's only going to get more complicated as we get more cards. I feel like the script aspect was much easier during Wave 1 than it is now. Yes. Um, well, I mean, by definition, a smaller card pool, a smaller set of interactions. Uh, I mean, we've we've grown with not just the card pool, but the meta and the understanding because of things like what you're putting together here, Scott, that now people understand or hopefully understand the need for things like direct damage to your earlier point of shrinking the number of turns required because you can get something out of combat or 
even more obvious dealing with that scrapnel that's going to sit there for a hundred turns. Yeah. And I, and I guess, I guess, and no one said this, but I guess, you know, I'm only, it only makes sense for me to challenge myself. Like, could there be more spheres? I guess like you could say that, you know, the four wide agro Autobot decks do not ap- operate like an Insecticon deck. I would argue they have the same strengths and weaknesses outside of certain interactions. Again, like RC and right. That's pretty much the main one. But like, um, the point is, is that like, you know, you're making your three wide opponent attack where you want them to, because you have an extra character and you're saving your most important character on the first round mm-hmm. to do its job. Um, right. And that's not any different than the way that Insecticons operates by sending in usually Barrage as its last character. They're not sending in Ransack as their last character. They're not sending yeah. in Shrapnel as their last character unless they have to, you know? like. Mm-hmm. So I understand that there's some... You could argue that, like, the spheres don't always operate exactly the same, but I would challenge you to really play a lot of games and tell me if, like... I, w- I would I want I, I want somebody to explain to me like why that would be the case right and, and why like why there should be like a third way of looking at like a third axis to think about for some reason well I think that as we get more cards as things evolve the relationships are going to inherently change or if there's a play pattern for a given matchup that and I can't think of a, a good example, but and this one isn't great. Say cars, if they find it on tap effect, they function as air quotes a four wide orange ish deck, and then that can change the relationship with other matchups potentially. But that is really one of the things that you called out earlier. Of it's one of the pivotal things for a given build. It defines it, and therefore that's how the whole deck operates. So. Like I said, maybe not necessarily the best example. No, but but I think what you're I think what you're saying and and where I will, will I think we agree is that I don't think that the tribe or the faction matters. Mm-hmm. Um, other than potential strengths and weaknesses of certain cards they have access to that will just make them as more powerful esoteric decks in themselves but i don't it doesn't necessarily change a bad matchup into a good one yeah it would have to be a a unique effect so that's why i was calling out cars because it 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 changes you into again a pseudo four wide as compared to say dino chomp which you do dinobot things better but that doesn't change that you're still operating as a dinobot deck Right, but the issue is, and this is this, and this is back, and I'll just give a wave one example because mm-hmm. um, I ran a lot of cars during wave one. The problem was if you're going up against a control deck that has armor, and again, this was during wave one, so armor actually stuck. Yeah, um, <laughs> what a novel concept. <laughs> yeah, um, but we'll, we'll just call it a, we'll just call it a consistently defensive deck. So for whatever whatever way the deck right. is consistently defensive in wave one, it was armor, but even now it could just be heavy blue deck we'll just call it for example an inborn high defense or inborn high tough or something like that we'll just say yep um no matter how many times you attack they're still defending for six or seven every single time so if you're a cars deck that's attacking more times but for less damage your matchup is still bad yeah you're not truly the other sphere right whereas like if you're now suddenly your characters are like uh wheeljack general optimus and rc let's just say all these characters that are really good against control decks yep now all of a sudden you're changing that matchup but you're still a three wide aggro deck and now you're probably way worse against like you know four wide aggro decks right but you solved your other problem so this is the this is the the back and forth that goes on and why you like you have to te- like you have to figure out within that sphere where you want to where you want to be positioned. It's it's likely you may be able to improve, in my opinion. And this is why I like the rock paper scissors lizard Spock instead of just rock paper scissors. Uh-huh. Like, you may be able to improve one of your bad matches, but I find it ext- I, I can't imagine you can improve both 
without other spokes suffering. Right. And that's why in the in the Rock, Paper, Scissors, Litter, Spock, where there's every one of them has two bad, um, you know, two things, it loses the two things. Mm. That's why I think, like, that is a true representation of what's going on here, even though there's, like, whatever, 12. But I think that's a much better representation because I don't think you can solve both things ever without the other things suffering. And that may... Or, or, or without becoming a whole new dad. Hubble new sphere, I think, at that point. I don't know. Right. There's that, or there's a an egregious issue with the card pool, I guess, is the other yeah, potential yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, where yeah. it's like, oh, well, all of a sudden, three wide blue decks just crush everything, um, and they have no weaknesses. Well, that's probably an issue as a whole, which, yeah. thankfully, we're, we're hopefully going to avoid. Yeah, um, and I, I can use former meta meta examples to explain this best just because i i don't think that this meta has been fleshed out enough to necessarily use oh absolutely not the current meta but like mm. the reason why certain decks dominated at certain times in past metas honestly was because the other spheres weren't popular not because not because they overcame the weakness i truly believe it's just because there was no deck in the in this in the spheres that Weak, they was weak to that that were popular or even being used. Um, so, so if like, you think, okay. think back at Wave One, for example. Mm. so at, at the end of Wave One, when the three wide Optimus decks, and I guess you could say during Wave Two also, uh, were doing really well, it's because there was no three wide aggro deck that was there was it would still lose to Dinobots, it would still lose to Cars, but those decks just weren't as popular, right? So seemingly quote it was a dominant it was dominating but it really wasn't dominating it just didn't run into its bad matchups and this is i guess the other reason i subconsciously made this is because i was tired of hearing about people saying that xyz card was broken or xyz card needs to be banned <laughs> and yeah like there the there are those discussions <laughs> so it's like what they don't just don't understand is like you could just go play this and you'd be fine now you'll lose to all these other things the reason why this right. became popular, probably, like again, like assuming it, you know, that's what would happen. But you may be able to find something in the middle or some way, especially with sideboarding, to fix that. Yep. Um, but I, I guess that might be a subconscious other reason why. <laughs> I, I think it's a. It, but I think that's a very valid one. It's important <laughs> to bring up that there isn't, and again, this is a not to beat the point to death, but I. I think subconsciously, whether people want to admit it or not, there's probably a level of the same thing I suffer from where it's, no, I want to play this and it doesn't do well against that. So therefore that other thing is a problem and it needs to go <laughs> as opposed to right. you need right. to adjust yourself. That's what you have control over. You can decide what decks you play and how you play them. If something is is kicking your butt up and down the street, probably don't run face first into the wood chipper with the same thing over and over again because you're going to get the same result yeah and <laughs> again but but there but again if you as a player not just love the deck but like understand that like the reason you love the deck is because you're better with it mm -hmm. because like you can see the plays better than you know like your playtesting partner that's just running the deck like play the game differently and so that affects a matchup in a certain way uh -huh. like i remember um i remember we were testing like wave two uh for example and we did we discovered for example that like the problem with aerial bots against dino bots was not grimlock the problem was sludge for example because the healing was like a big deal yeah and so sludge actually became the number one target when you're playing aerial bots then grimlock and that makes no sense to, like, if yeah. you've never played it. Yeah, somebody watches you do that, they're going to wonder what's wrong with you, for the most part. Right. And because because the way aerial bots operated, you, you want to concentrate all your firepower on the Superstar Destroyer and take it out. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and against, no matter what you were playing against, that you always had to identify what the target was and go after it. And here, you went after what seemingly was the quote wrong target um but if you really knew aerial bots and you knew 
that this was a bad matchup for you. If they swung with Sludge early, then all of a sudden your your window of killing him is wide open. Yep, for sure. Whereas, because they're like, I'm going to save for this Grimlock attack, or I'm going to attack 50. It's like, so you're going to take out two of my planes just like you're going to take out two of my planes anyway. Like, it didn't yep. matter. Right. Um. Or, or, or you weren't. Most of the time, you just weren't. You weren't going to be able to take out two planes no matter what you did anyway. Yeah. It helps when um, so you defend like, for like a thousand. <laughs> right. So the, the the better play as a Dinobot player would have been to save Sludge to allow your guys your other guys to heal more often. Um but again, like as as the Aerobot player, if you knew that and your opponent didn't, you're now changing the dynamic of that matchup. Right. So that's where, like, to me, the play skill, the experience the 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 intimacy that you have with the deck can help you a, a lot, even if you want to treat it as your own pet deck and you feel like it, you know, like oh, this does this deck no longer has a place in the meta because of X Y Z reason. Well, I'm going to run it into the ground. Like, there's plenty of players, and and it, it's really mostly in other card games because that's all I have to rely on. That like would run. They were the only player that could run their deck, and then somebody else would pick it up and be like, "What the hell is this pile of trash?" And like yeah. get thrashed with it. like. Right. Um, but they knew it inside and out, and a lot of times, like that deck didn't even change like for years. Like they would run it again, like when the format would rotate back to whatever that deck was legal in, they'd play it again, and like you know, yep. it was good again. You know, like so th- that can happen, and that's that that's not even just play skill. That's like I don't even that's like a different level. I don't even know well, what that. Like, yeah, they they become one <laughs> with their build. <laughs> I guess yeah. there there is a level beyond just being good at that stage with a given deck. <laughs> yeah, because there, there's definitely been conversations. It's like that person's good with that deck, and they always run that deck. And it's like, okay, like whatever. Like I can't run that deck, but you know, that's more power to them. You know? Yeah, that's a that's something that would exist somewhere well off of the graph. Because what what do you how do you yeah. account for something like that? So, but I wanted to eliminate all that stuff as best as possible. Is my point exactly because it it's not that's not an appropriate starting point as we had said earlier that you can't account for that level of prowess with a given thing and if that's the bar you if you you can't assume that everybody's going to be at that level with a given thing so what if you sit down against across from that person. Them's the breaks, I guess. <laughs> There's only so yeah. much you can do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I think, I feel like all you, I don't even think we've even reached a point where there's like, I mean, I prefer to play certain decks, but it doesn't mean like I have to play that, that style of deck. And I think like, I don't think we're at a point yet where you can isolate yourself to that point. Either. No. No, it's I, to your own detriment. So. I mean, we're we're talking about people that have played a deck for multiple years, plural. <laughs> we haven't quite even we're we don't have that many notches on our belt for this yet for yeah. this game. Yeah. So, uh, so the, oh, good questions. I can answer. Are there questions you have? I can answer about it. Or, or? I well, I was about to say, was there anything you wanted to throw in? Because I think we covered a lot of the initial layers of this. We're clearly going to be revisiting it as we evaluate other decks, or you know, it, for one of the things I'm picturing down the line is as more store results come in or other large events, we're going to get the lists. We're going to look at them and say, well, that's weird. Why did they run X? Does that then change? Referencing back to this diagram, does that then flip one of these arrows? Does that position it in a different way compared to what we were expecting going in? And I think that's how we can probably reference this tool, at least on this show, going forward. One of the more obvious ways to reference it going forward, anyway. The results I've seen are... Now, I don't want to... How do I say this? (laughs) Of, Of the decks I've seen that I would agree with most of the build that's there uh-huh um uh i would say that the, what i've seen results wise the theory has held up but we're only seeing results mostly from like singular events where it was like if you lost in the top 32 to one matchup like that's not really 
a sample set, but like, yeah, and we, I, I, at least I understood why, but at the same time, like when on the flip side, when I, when I know that a deck that should have won from a sphere perspective lost and I see the deck list, I can see why it lost. If that makes sense. Well, it calls back to our earlier point about are they skewing themselves in a direction to try and accomplish something that you're really stretching for, or is it just something they they got very creative with the deck list, we'll say. I'm not sure they even knew that such a thing was even... I don't even think people always even thought that such a thing was even possible. Like, this is where a lot of, like, the ranged package conversation can come into play and things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're not, if you're running some kind of control deck and you're not running range right now, you're probably doing something because you just, that's why you're good against the aggro decks, like the wide aggro decks. Like, so if you're not doing that, like if you didn't take the lesson from seeing aerial bots and try to apply that to your control strategies, like that was the reason why they were winning, not because they had five characters. Right. They were attacking on a different axis, and as best as you can adopt that axis to your own control strategy, which is where Three Wide Optimus, for example, came into play. Like, if you weren't applying that to your other control strategies and you lost to wide aggro, that's the reason why, not because the sphere argument was wrong. Right. If that makes sense. I mean, barring, I guess, obviously intense variants, we'll call it, or, you know, something of outside of normal vectors uh there are clearly other factors or if as we said play skill makes a huge difference if there were major play errors made sort of thing you can't really account for that on paper in advance you you have to account for that in the lab kind of thing um yeah i i hope this i i also like this because i think it can help people build decks differently it's definitely influenced my own as it again it's you're focusing what your changes are it's not just i'm trying random configurations and throwing it against insecticons a billion times because your base assumptions are still in favor of bugs i guess is the the best way to put it like if if you're playing a losing matchup into it are, you, are the changes you're making trying to affect actual change in the results in that direction? If not, well, you're again, you're just bashing your head against the wall. Yeah, and it's probably more effective to try to answer that through a sideboard. Correct. Which is a whole which is a whole other discussion, which I mentioned. I think is caveat one or three. I don't remember, but um, <laughs> but that it's possible to address it that way. And obviously, we're still really at the infancy of that compared Absolutely. to how long we've been playing the game in general. So I think that's another Absolutely. consideration. Yeah, the let me ask you this, Scott. It's it's a very generic question, but are there any points that we can look forward to? Obviously, you're going to circle back to this topic, but is there anything that you wanted to highlight that didn't quite make it into your first two articles for this? Um. Like I said, I guess the explanation of why the arrows point the way they do, um, and understanding, you know, why certain strategies beat other ones, um, is probably the biggest one. Uh, and I guess understanding the the whole point of I think I didn't spend a lot of time on the quote, like, win your sphere uh, part. Okay. But I but I guess, I I think the, the point I made, and, and I'll stress again, is the, the goal of that is basically to cut this meta down to whatever, eight decks to run against, because running it against 20 is just impossible. Right. Um, so if you're, if you're willing to say that deck A is a stand-in for decks A through E, then at least you're saving yourself having to playtest the games. Makes sense. But it doesn't mean that, like, I guess that's a way that, like, this could be proven wrong. Uh, 
excuse me, if 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 that doesn't hold true. Well, I think that's going to be contingent on, and I agree with you that 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 is a way to try and identify holes. But I I don't necessarily, or I wouldn't phrase it as it's an wrong or incorrect. It's just evolving. So that's where I was going earlier with the cars example of do the individual things, the individual cards available to us cause this particular shift. Uh, whereas as a whole, just because it's, you know, a ranged card, it's a melee card, it's a car card, it's a whatever card. So that particular build within that sphere becomes unique and therefore it shifts it on the tier list within that sphere as opposed to it either creates an entirely new sphere or completely turns the theory on its head because I right. think there's always going to be and that's why I, I'm struggling a little bit with how to explain it but for anybody out there listening it's the general idea of this theory I feel is very sound but like anything else you can poke holes in it if you dive deep enough into the details to find just the one contrary example and it's worth finding those to determine whether you need to reevaluate everything or is it a unique facet of the given card pool the given deck structure the particular interaction because only this character and this card allow you to do that sort of thing yeah, and I gave the examples of decks I've created specifically to try to break these cycles. Mm. And they wound up either creating their own spheres or changing the matchups within them. I, I guess the only other thing I would say, I put a lot of my deck lists out there, and and there's others that you might see. The reason why my deck lists tend to look so much different than other people's, like examples being like, you tend to see a lot of other aggro decks playing, leaning heavily on like the heavy bold strategies of like supercharge, power punch, and like I typically don't run these cards. I run the static buffs, like right, um, static laser ironhide, and other you know rec- never leave home without like reckless charges, things <laughs> like that. Right, right. Um, it's it, a lot of my deck construction comes from this theory and i needed to define in my own head why do my decks look different and i think it's because instead of running like i tend to run more blanks or off-color cards than a lot of other players do when i see other lists and it's because i feel like i need those cards to assist me in these bad matchups or help my good matchups instead of just yep i flipped another orange and i do plus one more damage or I flip another blue and I do plus one more defense, like, and I'm going to play a less powerful card to help me define this theory and, and stick to this, because I just feel like... So I, I think that's probably another reason, like, my decks just look different than other players, if that makes sense. I follow you, and I think that is pretty clear. Uh, or one of... Maybe not the only reason, but one of the clear define definitions, definers of... Uh, why you end up where you do for deck lists, like you said, compared to other people. Um, I guess moving from there, is there anything else you wanted to bring up about the spheres theory, at least at this point in time? I, I did want to call out just for the partially for the laughs, but Metroplex being off on its own thing, we will probably need to explore that particular sphere more. Cause now there's, there's going to be another Titan. It's, I mean, I've seen some Optimus Prime Battlefield Legends solo <laughs> lists with like a billion stars. Um, I I think we're going to probably just have the Titans in that sphere, but uh, it's one that'll probably have to get elaborated on going forward. Yeah, like I mentioned in, in talking to you and other people that have run it, the deck fights against itself more than it fights against other decks, although it yep. does have strengths and weaknesses against certain other decks just by nature of like it having 35 health or mm. um whatever but most of the metroplex power comes in from the tap so of course if you hit it you're good if you miss it you just lose yep. so <laughs> that's kind of how it works and, and the tryptocon thing at least on paper looks to be similar to where it's going to be like you hit you if all your 
deployment green cards are stuck at the bottom of your deck for some reason. That's probably going to be a bad time. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, know? you may have a bad day if that works out <laughs> that way. So, I mean, it shouldn't, but, like, the games that it does, it, it's going to feel real bad. So, like, you know, just, like, not hitting your Metroplex yeah. ability. Like, if, if you build the Metroplex deck to not hit the ability, like, I don't okay. Like, it seems incorrect to me, but... Um, I mean, hey, I I tried it way yeah. back in Wave 1 where it was like, hey, we got 35 health, let's make a blue deck with it. It didn't work then, right. but maybe somebody, uh, some intrepid deck builder out there can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's just like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, like, that deck just seems to fight against itself more than it does against other strategies, although mm-hmm. certain other strategies will give it more time oh. to fix its own weaknesses let's put it that way for sure yeah it definitely has things it would prefer to see as opposed to ones that it would try to avoid but i agree it is it is definitely very weird compared to as you said earlier if if the assumption is three wide decks of varying flavors are the norm when you end up getting to whether it's constructicons or metroplex when you get to that end things start to get weird yeah Although exactly. I guess and there's re- and there's reasons for it. Yes. I think that's what people need to understand is that there's reasons for it. Like Oh, absolutely. Attacking Metroplex five times for insignificant points of damage is really just giving them access to go get more backup beams or whatever to go get more bold, like get more green cards. That's all you're really doing. Absolutely. So, you know, I think and I think that's where some of this I think that's the under the surface stuff is probably one way that I do one thing that I think you know, you need to understand I wasn't able to go into is again, this is part of the why. There's reasons for this and, and yep. that's like a pure example that people just don't think about. Like when my Firefly is attacking Metroplex, I'm just giving him access to more green cards. Yep. So, yeah, it it makes things certainly challenging if you're you're fighting into the big city bot. Um yeah. so we all look forward to your too tall orange deck, Scott, since that seems to be the sphere that's missing. So we'll, we'll wait for uh, <laughs> all your yes. your your uh, tournament and meta buster in that build pretty soon. Um, any other thoughts on spheres, at least at this stage? Obviously, we're going to, it's a very large topic and things are still in flux and being evaluated as we're evolving the Siege 1 meta. Yeah, like any theory, it's up for debate, so I'm willing to discuss it with anybody. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Uh, I think that kind of does it for us, Scott. Despite our earlier technical difficulties, we still managed to go roughly two hours. <laughs> well, if we cut all that out, maybe we'll only have one pod. Yeah, I think this this will definitely be a, a slightly longer but singular podcast, I think. Um, so without... Anything else to add, at least on my part? Anything else for you, Scott? Or anything else coming up uh, Vector Sigma-wise that you want to call out? Uh, Energon Qualifier we're going to this weekend. Um, again, check out the Patreon if you need assistance with your own uh, Energon Qualifiers. We're always taking on coaches um, and such. And I think the if you want some proof of concept, feel free to reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with some of the coaches and find out what they're um feedback has been um otherwise yeah for the next month gonna try to hit as many of the it looks like all september you could probably hit one almost every single week i don't think i'll be hitting them every single week but um as best as possible we'll be out there representing and then i'm hoping that in the next couple weeks we'll start to get more siege 2 uh spoilers so um we can start to our long testing season for the invitation. Yeah, there's a there's definitely going to be a very interesting testing season for that. But that's oh, for uh, another, Unicron, oh. Unicron was extended until October. I saw. Ah, I was going to bring that up at the beginning, <laughs> and I for, for, totally forgot. I'm even looking at my yeah. Unicron did get extended. Uh, I'm still not going in on it, but I am happy, and I hope that they do make it. Like I do want to see one, like in person. I don't know if I can really swing owning one. <laughs> Did you see the little Galvatron figure? Yeah, that was pretty cool. They, they like all the photos of him devouring Galvatron. That's hysterical. Uh, it was a good touch, and I kind of I saw somebody tweet this out. I agree. I wish they had said that earlier because, as silly as it is, I feel like that would have gotten people more hyped about it. It may have not been 
consciously the tipping point, but it's one of those things that's like, oh, that's really cool. All right, maybe I'll think about this. Yeah, I saw the guy like transforming it in like double time, and it was still taking forever. So oh my god! It, it, so one thing, okay, not to, I don't want to make this too much longer, but one thing that I saw somebody, he's over a foot deep. Ah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. D- regular detoffs are only about eleven inches deep. Hmm. So, or at least the the whatever IKEA model the person was referring to, which I thought was very interesting, because just simple storage for this guy is going to be a challenge. Plus, he weighs like, like he weighs like oh my, he weighs like twenty pounds. Where are you going to hang it from? <laughs> you I don't know. Got to find an actual beam in your house to make sure you hang it from with a real chain. <laughs> anyway, over the next month, one thing I hope over the next month is that they make the yellow more like the I don't know orangey yellow from the movie yeah well the the i think all these are prototypes so i'm sure they'll color match it closer like once things are more set in stone yeah but yeah i'm excited and uh i don't know i i kind of i know it's not going to happen but i wish that was the uh the still unknown toy for the energon invitational but they're, oh, they're just, I don't think it won't be ready for like two years. I don't think. Oh yeah, for sure, and it would probably never have because I don't remember what place that goes out to. Like, I don't think it's just the winner. I want to say it's like top sixteen or top something. Eight, top eight or top sixteen. Yeah, yeah it, even then, that's that's a pretty hefty price tag on top of everything else. So, <laughs> and so I can't I imagine cool shipping new, it. <laughs> I saw a cool toy siege commercial. They they're coming out with a lot more of those. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, but they were neat. Yeah, they they're doing. I'm getting pretty hyped about Siege 2 on a number of fronts. I went to a different Target today, and they had more toys. Nice. Yeah, ours are... A a lot of the Walmarts here are flush with uh, Shockwaves, which I was surprised by. But they're flush with Shockwaves. We're way off topic, but throw it out there. It's Transformers, it counts. Mm. But anyway, we will wrap it up. So, uh, (laughs) as always, folks, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, and please tune in next time for more Tech Talk. Hey guys, Dan here from VectorSigma.info. We wanted to take this moment to thank all of our patrons for believing in the service we're providing. If you're not yet a member of a Patreon, feel free to click on the link for other podcasts like this one, or Verse videos, or any of the other great content that we provide on our YouTube channel. Thanks guys.